Good morning. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. There's so many beautiful memories associated with this season. There's so many beautiful memories because of what you've done in us. And we have the way you've blessed us with family, with friends, with traditions, with comfort, with meaning in life. Even when um, we fight so many frustrations and other things. Lord, we pray in this Christmas season for your comfort. We do pray for your love, and as Tanya and others mentioned in the video, to reach out to others around us. Lord, most of all, I pray that you would help us to see how you've reached out. You've reached out. You want us back with yourself. And that in all things, that the joy, the love, all that we experience will come from you, from your heart for us, and that we'll share that with others. So I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My name is Mark Schleif. I've uh, been here in Beijing with my family for uh, about five and a half years now. And um, we are, uh, we've also been part of this church uh, for the last five and a half years. This is our, this is part of our home in Beijing. Uh, the place where I work, uh, the, uh, the friendships I have, all of that makes part of our home. And it's no mistake that we're talking about some of the verses you saw today. I know we have some traditional Christmas passages, and we're going to get to those. We're going to get to those later on. But uh, there's a reason we're, we're focusing on some of these memories, because at this time of year, it really does stir up in us the longings, the longings for something else. Um, I'm one of those people who believes that you accept all your traditions together. Uh, to me, it doesn't matter where a Christmas tree came from originally or uh, who decided first to put candles on it or anything else because in my family, we, we did those things. We hung those strange, stretchy icicles that they used to do. You'd put bags and bags on them and then have to vacuum them up. when you were, Actually, you couldn't vacuum. It ruined the vacuum cleaner. You had to sweep them up and throw them away when you were done. But the, the Christmas tree and doing those things and those traditions, uh, the foods we traditionally eat... I grew up as a missionary kid in the uh, country that was at that time known as Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, and um, so we got introduced at an early age to Christmas crackers and wearing the little hats and doing the things every Christmas Eve. In our traditions, we will uh, make Christmas cookies together by my mom and my grandmother's recipe. We'll decorate them in the shapes of different uh, Christmas themes, and best part is putting all the colors on and then turning them into other things and then bake them, and you eat about half of them before the evening's done. And uh, that's, that's just, all those are part of the Christmas tradition. I remember one morning waking up, uh, we were on a mission station in Sasami, uh, Rhodesia, and, and like uh, Tanya's experiences growing up in Australia, being in the Southern Hemisphere, it's warm. And so it's a warm day every, every Christmas you wake up. But I woke up one morning, and there in front of the tree was this castle. It was about this big that my dad had made for me. He had made this, this castle that had some Britain's knights, the Crusaders and the Saracens all over it and some other things. He'd taken old peach crates, and in secret, without my knowing about it, he'd been constructing this. And he'd taken medium-density fiberboard and had cut out all the... The uh, parapets had put places for them to stand. He'd even taken an old tinker toy and made a, a working drawbridge for this castle. That was a great gift 
But there is more to it than just the gift. As far as I really, yes, I was into history. I was into soldiers and knights and playing with those things. But it sure reflected how well my father knew me. And it also reflected how much love and time and preparation he'd put into giving me the right gift. That's part of what it is about home. When we remember home, and particularly at Christmas, we're not just remembering a place. A house is not a home, but a home is a relationship to places and to people. That's what a home is. And so we have a longing for home. And these times of year when we've spent those special moments in those relationships in different places around the world, uh, that's when it really means. And everyone here knows what it's like to be away from home. If you're originally from Beijing and you um, had to go somewhere else and lived a number of years and got a foreign passport and now have come home, you know what it feels like to be away from your culture. For some of you, that time, that special time of year may be at Chunjia instead of at Christmas time, but it's that time of family, that time of being together, the time of the things that are so comfortable and familiar and loved. And those of us who've come to Beijing from other places, there are those things that, that just kind of prick our memory, the, the way that the, the leaves on the trees would look in the fall going into the Christmas season, the bite of the cold, which... You got right here. The, 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 the clearness of the air, which sometimes is variable at this time of year. But home is not just a place. It's those relationships, those people that we miss, those people that we love. But there's still a reason, whether we're believers or not, that we have a deep longing inside at times like this. And it goes far beyond what I remember getting for a Christmas gift. It goes far beyond the times that I spent with family, playing games, laughing, listening to my uncles tell crazy stories, and they were really good at it. It goes beyond being in a place that's different from this one, or even the memories we've built since we've been in Beijing. There is a deep longing in every one of us for something more, for a home that we have not yet seen, because we lost it a very long time ago. If we go back all the way to the beginning of the human race, to the account of Genesis 1 and 2, when God the Father made us, He made us to walk in relationship with Himself. He made a place for our first father and our first mother, a garden, a perfect place. And in the cool of the day, they would visit with Him. They were in full, open relationship with Him and with each other. And that was completely unbroken, undisturbed, unmarred by any disease, illness, sickness, lie, imperfection and we miss that even though we've never seen it we were made for a place that we've not yet been and so that longing for home began in Genesis chapter 3 when our first father and mother rebelled and sinned and were cast out not just of a garden but also out of a relationship the daily walking with the Lord And all our seeking goes back to that. Something that uh, Robert Browning used in one of his long, it's a very long poem, but just two lines, one line from it. He said, a man's reach should always exceed his grasp. Else what's a heaven for? There's that longing in us. A man's reach should always exceed his grasp. Else what's a heaven for? That longing to do more. The same drive that sends us to the moon, 
that causes us to conquer and to look and try to gather all the treasures of the earth that tries to make, make us make a name for ourselves that we think will last for centuries is a longing for significance that's placed in every one of our hearts. We see that longing in the very first people of faith as we, the ones that are mentioned in the book of Genesis are reflected back in Hebrews chapter 11, what's called the roll call of faith. And he talks about Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. These are people who looked forward to something more than they saw. He says they lived in tents, in temporary housing. They moved from place to place, and they were not satisfied with where they were. In Hebrews eleven thirteen through 14, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. That's that longing for home. And then in verses 15 through 16, it says, If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Abraham lived in one of the most modern cities of his era, in Ur, that he left. And he could have gone back, but he knew there was something more. Something more that the promise of God in his heart placed there. It says, Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That's the city that's mentioned in the verses that were read in several languages this morning. That's home. That's home for all those who receive the grace of God. Now, how do we get there? That longing would be hopeless for us had God not chosen to send a rescue mission to bring us back to him and to bring us home. John three sixteen and 17 says... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Now we're used to very strategic missions in all the movies and and the news accounts we see today. The most important thing, send the SEAL teams in. Get in, get out. Be safe, accomplish your mission, and spend as little time on the ground as possible. But that wasn't the way of Jesus Christ coming to earth. Because, again, home is a relationship. He's trying to restore a relationship to God the Father. And so in order for man who's been so many centuries away in rebellion from his home, he needs to become reacquainted with his Lord, with our Lord, with Him, not as a God who's up there making commands and those things, but to see the heart and the purpose to look into the eyes of God himself in the flesh. And so Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, enters the world just like every one of us. He's born into it. Christ Mass, Christmas, the Lord's birth. And on a cold, clear night in Bethlehem, while shepherds are going through their normal routines, just, just sitting there, suddenly an angel appears to them. And I think the angel came as the forerunner because if he'd come with all the hosts at once, there would have been a lot of dead shepherds. 
They would have been so overwhelmed that without one to come first as warning. So he came and said, fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy because the Lord himself is born today in the city of David. And these Jewish shepherds, though they were from a low position in society, knew that there was a coming king. There were promises in scripture. They'd been taught from their birth. The king was coming And here was the good news. And suddenly with the angel there appears a multitude of the heavenly hosts. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace with men on whom his favor rests. He came for us. The mission has begun. But it's not an in and out. He is going to take a trip of 33 years from the cradle to the cross. And during that time, the first 30 years we know so little about because he is living with us. He is becoming like us in every experience, in his frustrations, in his fatigues, in his anger, in his sorrows, in his regrets. He experiences every emotion without sin, but everything that we see so that we can trust that here's a God who not only knows us by design because he made us, but he knows us intimately by experience. That's the Christmas story. Of all the traditions that come back to me, that's the Christmas story. And Jesus Christ himself gave up his home. He knows the longing for home for 33 years. He spent it emptied, as it says in Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself of his glory and his honor and his position. He was still Lord. As the song we sang said, he was still Lord at his birth. But he became like one of us. It's such a great gift. The presence of God among men. But his purpose was a much greater gift. The presence of men before God in heaven. That's why he came. He came to rescue us. He came to bring us home. And the Apostle Paul also echoes this longing that Christ came to answer. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, Paul refers to our bodies as the tents. Just like Abraham and others lived in tents and moved from place to place, but it was only temporary. When you're in a tent, you don't get too used to any place. It's not home yet. You're still on the move. And so he refers these bodies of ours, no matter where God may move us across this world, these are just earthly tents. This is temporary. We are not home yet. He says, now we know if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Those who respond to the grace of God, to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, are given a new life that is God himself and the Holy Spirit living within us, connecting every one of us. That's why we can say to, to friends that we miss so much the people that leave us from here, And go, there's always one more hello than goodbye for those who know the Lord. Because we'll be home together. 
will be home together in the presence of a God that we have not seen yet in the way we will one day see. It's impossible for us even to imagine what that home is like. And it says, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That's the, Lord, that's the home we seek. So we all share this deep longing for a, a better home and a better country. Now, what can we offer you this Christmas here at CCC, at Capital Community Church? Because this is a home. This is a home, and, and when we find that God has put his spirit into our hearts, we already have a taste of what's to come. And we have a taste in each other as we see the image of Christ in one person and another as God is working in them. But what can we offer you? If you have not tasted of the goodness of God, we can introduce you to him. We make the the introduction. Someone who understands you better and loves you more than you could ever imagine. Someone who cares for you, who gave himself for you. And wants to give you an eternal home, a place of completeness, of amazing joy and complete fulfillment. Also in the practical, we can give you a present family. A group of people who absolutely do not have all things figured out. We're messed up. Just like everybody else. We have the same longings. We make the same mistakes. We do all those things. But by the presence of God in us, we have a hope of something better, a place where those things are finally perfected, a place where those sins and errors and mistakes are finally removed, and a home that makes everything that we remember today just a small picture, a tiny glimpse, just an, an instant of an instant of maybe a small idea of what our true home is like going to ask the worship team to come back up here. Um, but the writer C.S. Lewis, how many have read the Chronicles of Narnia? Fantastic books. C.S. Lewis in that talks a little bit about this longing because the Pevensey kids, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy are taken to another place where they're not just children who are caught in the midst of the Second World War, they are actually able to live as kings and queens. And then for a time, they're taken away from that, but they have a taste. This is where we're supposed to be. They have a taste of something more. But if you get to the very end of the Narnia Chronicles in the last battle, the most precious picture in all those writings, as C.S. Lewis imagined it, is after the last battle has occurred. And they're standing in what was on earth a poor little stable and suddenly realize it's been transformed into another place. And the further in they go, the larger it becomes. And they say further up and further in and suddenly an entire world that reflects all the good things of the world that they've seen but now perfected with all the wrongs and all the hurts and all the other things pushed away. All those things are gone. And they say further up and further in. As they go, as they go further in, everything becomes bigger. And C.S. Lewis closes with this 
And they're going to they're gonna sing a song here. I think it was a use in the movie Prince Caspian that was written, inspired by C.S. Lewis's accounts of this other place and this place, this better country. He says at the end, C.S. Lewis says, and this applies to every one of our lives, they found that all their adventures, all their experiences were just like the cover and the very prelude of the book. All the chapters of the story were yet to be written. That's our home that we have waiting for us.